over to Anna B, who's going to come and do our reading for us. Uh, you're going to need uh, John chapter 20, starting at verse 10, going through to verse 18, and you're on page 1089. Over to you, Anna B. When the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken, they have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realise that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it who are you looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she asked. She said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried in Aramaic, Aramaic Rabbini, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet turned to return to the father go instead to my brothers and tell them i am returning to my father and your father to my god and your god mary magdalene went to the disciples with the news i have seen the lord and she told them what that he had said these things to her together ah father we rejoice so much uh, for that testimony Uh, we thank you uh, for your goodness uh, to sylvia and for your Um, just guiding hand through all of life Uh, lord we praise you um, that you were with her every step lord thank you that you brought her to kings thank you for bumping into the the book table that day Uh, and lord we thank you just so much for her as um, and for the gift that she is to every one of us Uh, lord we just praise you for the work in her life Um, lord we do ask that you would just continue that work in in all of our lives Uh, lord we pray for our children uh, downstairs as they look at this encounter with Jesus uh, and Lord I just pray that each and every one of us children included would encounter our risen Lord again uh, and that we would love him and worship him and follow him in Jesus name we ask it amen amen uh, thank you so much Sylvia that was, that was brilliant um, we're back in John and we're, we're slowly getting to the end by Easter it's, it's, a, it's a page across we would have finished Um, so on and off for two years we've done really well Um, but here we are in John chapter 20 um, looking at 10 to 18 and this is Mary's encounter we've heard of um, Sylvia's but this is Mary's encounter uh, with Jesus just after he rises uh, from the dead and as she runs and tells the disciples those amazing words I have seen the Lord as I said, we've been looking over at John for the past couple of years, uh, but I hope you've seen the, the major idea or the major theme that we've been holding on to is that John is just painting this incredible portrait of Jesus. Uh, the gospel has been described as this Rembrandt portrait. Uh, and one, in one sense, on one viewing, you can get a good sense of what the picture is all about. Uh, but like any Rembrandt or any brilliant piece of artwork the more you look the more you see Uh, with every brush uh, brush stroke uh, every brush stroke matters as it adds to the overall picture and and majesty and brilliance of whatever's been painted each bit of light each bit of shadow means something 
And it's like that with John's Gospel. Uh, I hope you've seen every detail has a subtlety to it, a note that elevates the whole picture. And as I've said, it's a portrait of the Lord Jesus. That's what he's painting. John is explicit of what he's trying to convey in this picture about Jesus. Uh, it's at the end, uh, he is the son of God. And by believing in him, you may have life. Today, as we go through Mary's encounter, I just want to pick on some of these subtleties, these little notes, as way of reminder of who our Lord Jesus really is. Uh, we started this last week, and we're just going to kind of flick back uh, to verses 1 to 9, um, just to kind of get ourselves back into what John is doing in this section. So if you just look at verse 1, uh, this little subtle tone, this little note, he says, it's the first day of the week. Uh, for the Jews, that is a symbol of a new start. He could have said it was two days from the burial, but he's not trying to convey a time lapse. He's trying to so show something really significant has happened and this is the first day of the week as I said in Jewish mind that was hugely symbolic of a new start a new week a new opportunity and the disciples as we know were not expecting Jesus to be alive were they Mary sees the stone has been rolled away and she rushes to tell Peter and John not that he's alive but that the body has been taken and so Peter and John rush to the scene, and, and I think they think they're coming to a crime scene. Who has taken the body? What evidence is there? What is happening? And Peter rushes in, doesn't he? John stays at the door, but Peter rushes in, and they find the linen still there. And as we remember last week, we're making the suggestion that this, and the way it was left, this suggests divine intervention. It's almost like the way that, that it's laid, it's like Jesus kind of passed through the linen. Now, it's debatable whether he did that or not. Uh, but in chapter, the end of chapter 20, he will walk, get into a room with locked doors. He will just pass through. And here is a first glimpse of, showing, of Jesus showing us that this is the new future for humanity. Uh, this, is, this is the spiritual and the physical being infused together. In 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verse 35, uh, Paul talks about how through Jesus, death, uh, um, the natural body has been buried and the spiritual one has been raised. Things that are perishable have gone down and the imperishable has been raised. And that is a picture for us of what awaits us. Jesus is the first fruits of all who will trust in him. Jesus is physical, he's human, but he is not mortal. Uh, Romans 6, 9, we know that Christ was raised from the dead, so he cannot die again. Death has no longer, uh, death no longer has mastery over him. And this is what these two disciples are almost confronted with as the tomb is empty. And John's response just underlines divine intervention as he sees this and he believes. Doesn't see Jesus risen, sees the empty tomb and believes. So as we step into our passage in verse 11, Mary is now there, stood weeping at the tomb. I was thinking, why on earth doesn't John 
put his arm around her and say, I don't think he's dead, Mary. I think he's alive. Why he doesn't do that, I don't know. Verse 10, he just goes home with Peter. Um, Why they do this is uncertain. Maybe he did put his arm around Mary and maybe she just didn't believe him. Uh, maybe they were still getting their heads around it. After all, uh, verse 9, the scriptures hadn't been revealed yet to them. They didn't understand the full implications of everything that was happening. And so maybe they just went home trying to work this thing out. Maybe it's as simple as they were there at different times and they didn't see each other. Mary is there, though. She's gone back to the tomb and she looks in convinced that Jesus is still dead and John at this point doesn't just give us a subtle note to kind of tiny brush stroke he gives us a symphony blast of divine intervention because this is not a crime scene because two angels dressed in white are sat in the tomb one at the head and one at the foot of where Jesus is laid and they don't just say Mary someone's taken the body you need to go and find it down the road they just say look why are you weeping The suggestion is he is alive. Mary responds, they've taken my Lord and I don't know where they've put him. Mary is so heartbroken, so grieved perhaps, that even a visit from angels doesn't stop her in her tracks. I I would think if I was in her position and angels showed up, that might make me take notes, but not for Mary. At this point, maybe she's aware of someone behind her outside the tomb. And verse 14, she turns and she sees Jesus. She sees him, but doesn't recognize him. Now, why does she not recognize him? As we've said, Jesus has been raised imperishable. He's in his new spiritual body. But I don't think that means he looked any different. I think he was still recognisable, still had the facial features of Jesus. I don't think it's that. Perhaps it was her tears. You know, she was so grieved and so full of tears that she couldn't see him. Along with the presumption that he was dead, it just shrouded her ability to see who was actually there. She wasn't expecting him to be alive and so just doesn't see him. But verse 15, Jesus is so courteous to her. He says, woman, which is a really polite way of speaking, why are you weeping? Kind of underlining the angel's question, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? That question could simply be nothing more than, why are you sad? Can I help you look for what you're looking for? If it was as shallow as that, it wouldn't really make sense of Jesus at all, would it? Because he knows everything that has happened. He knows why she is there. I wonder if he's leading, he's giving her leading questions to help her work through her unbelief. Not just her grief, but her unbelief. Jesus is counselling her, I think, helping her to see. Just like John did, he saw the evidence and believed, saw and believed, I think he wants Mary to see and believe as well and so asks her these questions. And just think about the questions for a second, particularly the second one. Whom are you seeking? As I said, I don't think it's as shallow as who are you looking for? But it's a deeper question. Who is it 
that you're looking for? What is the identity of the person? You remember last week we were comparing um, Jesus' resurrection with that of Lazarus' resurrection. And you remember that Jesus very explicitly <laughs> says to Mary after Lazarus has been raised, I am the resurrection and the life. You can see what he's kind of leading at with these questions. Mary, why are you weeping? Don't you remember who I am? Don't you know who it is that you're looking for? I am the, the resurrection and the life. In other words, her issue wasn't necessarily a practical one. Her issue was a spiritual one. Her heart did not grasp who Christ really was. Her vision of Jesus was just so small. She didn't know that he should rise. Uh, we were watching a couple of weeks ago um, with the girls uh, the, an, an animated series of kind of biographies of Christian missionaries and various people from history. Uh, and we came across the one of Corrie Ten Boom and Betty. Um, you know, the, I've forgotten the book's name, it's gone out of my head. The Hiding Place, thank you very much. Uh, the Hiding Place, this story of two sisters who hid Jews during the Second World War. They were the, the daughters of a watchmaker. Um, and the, the Jews, uh, the, the Nazis, they find what they're doing and they cart Betty and her sister off into a concentration camp. And the particular scene that got us chatting as a family was that they're lying next to each other, about to go to sleep. And Betty says to Corrie, Let's, um, let's give thanks for the day. And Corrie, you can tell, in, is just put out by this thinking. Uh, you can tell, like, what on earth is there to give thanks for, Betty? Seriously, we're in the middle of a concentration camp. What is there to give thanks for? But Betty just begins, and she starts thanking God that the two sisters are there together. Thank you for the gift that I'm with my sister. She goes on and says, thank you that we are with others and there's warmth here in these in these dorms in these barracks that we're in she says thank you that we're laying on straw and this is comfortable for us to go to sleep but what gets Corrie eventually and you see the indignation in her face is because Betty goes and thank you even for the fleas that have in, infested our dorm and our beds and you can tell that Corrie is totally getting cross and angry like, why on earth are we giving thanks for the fleas? But Betty insists, we need to give thanks because God has a plan. God has a plan, Corrie. And reluctantly, Corrie begins to pray, give thank you for the fleas that are in my bed, you know, like this. Later, it transpires that the guards would do surprise raids on all the dorms in the camp, but never in theirs because of the fleas. And it enabled the two sisters to witness, to pray, to do Bible studies with their dorms without fear of Nazis breaking in. Can you see how Betsy's view of Jesus was massive? Can you see how she saw the person next to her, the Lord Jesus, as the resurrection and the life? The sovereign one who's over all things, who stands above all things and works in every single detail for your good. Can you see how huge her vision of Jesus was? 
Mary needed her eyes opening like Betty's. And can I say, kings, we need our eyes opening like Betty's. To have this view of Jesus, that the one who walks beside us throughout our life is no less than the resurrection and the life. Maybe there are things that we're going through that are causing us to truly worry. Um, circumstances that cause us to drop our heads, uh, to, be, to, be, to be discouraged, to, to, lose, to lose hope. There's many things in this world, the threat of job losses, a diagnosis, family feuds and difficulties, financial troubles. There's many things in this world that can stack up and it feels like there is just no future. I'm sure that's how Mary thought. Even if there is evidence of divine intervention that is right in front of us, like angels standing there, maybe there's something that even if that were happening, it wouldn't be enough. We really need to hear Jesus' question, don't we? Don't you know who's standing beside you? Don't you know that I am the resurrection and the life? Don't you know that I am the eternal word who was there in the beginning, who was God, who was with God? Don't you know that through me all things were made? And without me, nothing was made that has been made. Don't you know that my light has shone in the darkness, even if the darkness of death and that has not overcome it? Don't you know who is standing next to you? Do we know that? Do we have that kind of vision of Jesus? Mary doesn't pick up on the questions. She simply thinks that there is someone here, a gardener, helping her to find where the body is. And she just simply responds, says, look, if you know where they've laid him, let me, take me to him and I'll, and I'll take him away. And here's the point where everything changes for Mary. Jesus, all he does is say, Mary, Mary. It's the calling of her name that causes her to stop and turn and see this is no gardener, but this is the Lord Jesus. And she responds, Rabboni, which means, which means teacher. This is what she's called Jesus all the way throughout the gospel. She recognizes him. The veil has been lifted. Her spiritual eyes have been opened. To a certain degree, at least, she's not, she's not fully there, but she sees that this is him. And it's all about the calling of her name. You remember in John chapter 10 verse 2, Jesus says of himself as the good shepherd, the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he's brought them all out, he goes before them and they follow because they hear his voice. In that utterance of that uh, name, Mary, she recognises this isn't anybody. This is the voice of her good shepherd and her eyes are opened and she realises. It's interesting, isn't it, that when Lazarus is raised, what brings him from death to life? It's Jesus 
calling his name Lazarus come out and nothing different is happening here with Mary Mary wake up look who is standing in front of you this is the good shepherd he's the one who guards and protects whose voice is irresistible and he knows the names of his sheep if you're following the Lord Jesus if he is your good shepherd can I remind you can you remember when he called your name can you remember that moment when he woke your eyes up if you don't know him do you know that he's calling you today uh, the song ancient of days that we sing here I just love the second verse though the dread of night overwhelms my soul he is here with me I am not alone because his love is sure and he knows my name my God is the ancient of days we have a God who knows our name who knows our lives who knows every single detail and he's working out his purposes as the resurrection and the life Mary doesn't see or she become, begins to see and do we see he sees you he knows you do you know him do you know who he really is there's one final brushstroke that I want to draw your attention to uh, one little note and it's the message given to Mary for the disciples uh, that's in verse 17 um, it's the message that she is to carry back to them Mary clings to Jesus she's so excited to see him he is alive and she clings and Jesus says look I'm you don't cling to me uh, it's not kind of get off he's like there's things to do uh, uh, don't cling to me because I'm ascending to the father now if you uh, have been following us along this is Jesus has been saying this for ages you know I am going back to the father this is not new information uh, Jesus and the father are one Jesus is in the closest relationship to the father you remember back in chapter one he is in the bosom of the father and he and the father are one and now he is going back to him he's going back uh, because he's going back to repair a place chapter 14 he wants to go and he wants to send the helper he wants to go so that the spirit might come that the father and him might make their home in the lives of the disciples now up until this point uh, the disciples were intrigued by all of this departure language but they just didn't get what it was all about they were forever going like what are you talking about can we come where you're going they just didn't get it but this message clarifies and brings together all that um, Jesus has been talking about previously about leaving what he says in verse 17 do not hold on to me for I'm yet not yet returned to the father go instead to my brothers and tell them I am returning to my father and your father I'm returning to my God and your God now this is incredible because what the resurrection here vindicates what it makes certain about in all that Jesus has achieved for us is, is nothing less than we get to enjoy 
and partake in the relationship that Jesus has had with the Father since the very foundations of the world. He shares everything of his life with us. Did you see? I'm going back to my Father and now your Father. I'm going back to my God and your God. It's interesting, isn't it, that he calls the disciples in verse 17, my brothers. Now I've searched, and here's a challenge for you, uh, I've searched and I can't find an example pre-resurrection where Jesus refers to the disciples as his brothers. Uh, he talks about family a little bit, but never explicitly does he say about his disciples, you are my brothers until this moment. And I think it's an abrupt change in the language and in, in more particularly the relationship. He's basically saying of all that follow him, you now identify as firstborn children of God. Everything that I am, now I give to you. See, the message for Mary to tell his brothers is that, yes, I am ascending, but I'm going to my father and now your father. I'm going to my God and now your God. And this is the crescendo of all that he's done. That you and I share in the Father, the Son, and the Spirit as children. Not as slaves, not as servants, but as family. That is what Christianity is all about. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit sharing everything that they are with us and bringing us into fellowship with them. Just think for a moment of all that Jesus has done now. He's been sentenced in our place. He's taken the place of Barabbas. Uh, he has been executed and he's cried out, it is finished, that kingly degree that our sin is dealt with. He's taken it all to the um, grave with him. He's buried it and he's taken our humanity and destroyed it. And he's raised it up into something entirely new. Uh, a spiritual body where heaven and earth has been united. And that's what we see in Jesus resurrection he is physical he is human but he's not mortal and that is the future that we have and added to that now not only has he paved a way for us to share in that kind of eternal existence he invites us into his heavenly family as his brothers and sisters children of the father isn't it nuts really isn't it incredible and this has been his purpose ever since just listen to how he prays in john 17 verse 22 the glory that i have i have given to them who i am i have given to them that they may be one father as you and i are one i in them and you in me that they may be one as we are one so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. We get treated with the delight and love that the Father has for his perfect Son. We are now children, and that is what he's achieved for us. 1 John, how great the love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. 
And that is what Christ has won for us. It brings to, words, um, brings to mind the words of Isaiah, to whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Who can we compare the Lord Jesus to? Point me to someone who has loved me and you like this. Point me to someone strong enough to be able to do all that Christ has done. Who is his equal? Mary rushes off, tells the disciples, I have seen the Lord. He is alive. And she, she brings this message. He's going to his God and now our God. He's going to his father and our father. It's interesting, isn't it, that, she, that Jesus is standing right in front of her. And although she sees him after he calls Mary, she doesn't see him at first. In contrast, it's interesting that John didn't see Jesus at all, but believed and saw it's really helpful isn't it for our modern day question when people ask you know if God needs to show up he needs if he could present himself right in front of me uh, I will believe and really we could just point to this and say I don't think you will Jesus can be right in front of you and angels can be telling you that you don't need to cry but you won't believe or you can be like John and not you can just look in and just see how things have laid and believe the question isn't about do we the question, the, the evidence is all there. The question is, do we have hearts that are willing to see? Do we have hearts that have been opened? Do we see him? Mary rushes back and says, I've, I've seen. Do you? Do you see? Do you see, like we read at the start from 1 Peter, that in Christ is living hope not just any hope not just wishful thinking this is not a fairy tale this is not a story to tell children this is history that Christ has come the eternal word has lived died raised has ascended so that all of heaven can come into your heart that he can go and prepare a place for you and have an eternal future in a kingdom that is secure from all evil forever. This is reality, folks. Do you see it? If not, you need a miracle to happen in your heart. You need the Lord Jesus to shout clearly, wake up. Do you know who is standing beside you? The resurrection and life here we have a God who has come down buried what is everything that is wrong with our humanity and he's raised it up into something brand new eternal imperishable and it awaits us do you do you see that I'm going to pray um, I just want to leave it open just to for you to, to respond how you want to respond. Um, there's a couple of songs that we'll, we'll finish as we close. Uh, why don't you just bring your own heart, bring your own mind, bring your own situation. There might be things in your life where you are deeply discouraged, where you're, you're feeling the pinch of little hope. And I just want you just to come and bring it before the resurrection and the life. Bring it before the Lord Jesus who has conquered 
all these things and ask him give me strength if you want to pray out loud if you want to give thanks please do uh, but let's come before the Lord Jesus and and worship him and respond in gratitude and thanks as we do